0: You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Renew. This series invites people to experience God's renewal of their heart, mind, strength, and actions. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Jubilee Church, in case you're wondering um, why I'm up here, and um, we're starting a new series called Renew. And, and how many here like new things? Like You like new things. I love new things. I, I like it. I don't get to get new things very often. I've never owned a new car. But when I rent a new car, I'm like, man, I really want a new car because this is awesome. It just feels, it feels awesome. And new clothes, new, uh, new friends, new assignments, new toys, new seasons. I like, I like new things. Um, I, I, like, I like that. And here's the truth, though. God really likes new things. He likes to make things new. He likes to take what is worn, what's out of favor, what's even been destroyed, and he likes to make them brand new. It's, it's what he does. Uh, there's a rehabbing has kind of become a big deal in the last ten, even really thirty years. But even now, more recently, I mean, every who here watches a rehabbing show. You don't even know what a hammer is, but you watch a rehabbing show. And so, yeah, you. It's just a big God is the ultimate rehabber. He loves to go into things and make them brand, better than ever before but here's what's really cool he's not just he he's the, in the end of the book revelation it says that he's making uh, creation new he's making the heavens new he's making the earth new uh, i don't know if you have any environmentalists here but like he's gonna make it perfect one day and then he kind of caps it all off by saying you know what for in revelation 21 5 he says the final word over everything it says behold i'm making all things new he, he's someone who makes things new. and uh, But here's what's even better. He, he's making you and I new. He's not just making things out there new. No, he's making you and I new. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 says, Behold, if anyone is in Christ it is in a relationship with Christ, that's what in Christ means, in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that is what he's done for you generally. But let me show you on the screen what he does for you specifically, the newness that you get. He gives you a new spirit. That's what it says in Ezekiel. It says that he gives us a new song in Psalms. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new self. He loves to give us things. Therefore, as Christians, you and I, if you're in Christ, I know not everyone here is, but if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you should be experiencing newness. Paul says in Romans 6, 4, therefore, since we are new, let us walk in this newness of life. And to the Corinthians, he says that our life in Christ, the trajectory of our life in Christ is from one degree of glory to the next so that you and I should not be we shouldn't be getting worn out by life but we're experiencing this newness and newness and newness and newness from one degree of glory to the next now I don't mean to be um, pessimistic or anything but I'm I'm guessing that you and I don't always feel that way like that's not our experience oh yeah every day is just like a brand new happy day it's just like I just shed the old day and I bring on the new one and it's better more joy more we don't it may have, we, we have ups and downs, and, but we're not experiencing that newness. That, that's why last week we talked about, that's why periodically we need to have a crisis in our life. We need to have this moment where, we, where the light of God shines into our life and we see things for how they are. Not the way that we perceive them to be, but how they really are. And we, we recognize it for what it is and we turn from that and we go in a different direction. So the next four weeks we're going to talk about newness in, in four different ways. We're going to talk about a new heart. A new mind, new strength, new action. Say we're going to hit a um, new heart. So we're in Philippians uh, chapter 2, and in verse 12, it starts with therefore. Now, I just want to say something for those of you who are new to your Bible, something very important for this passage, but for any passage. Anytime you come across something where it says therefore, uh, because there's a lot of therefores in the Bible, because there's a lot of times where the Bible's saying, hey, you should do this, you should do that, go this way, be this way. And, but it starts with it, the, therefore. And that's really, really important because God doesn't just arbitrarily command us to do things because he can. In, in just case you're wondering, he can. He can do that. But he doesn't do it. What he chooses to do, he chooses to lay out in, in a, an amazing way truth, reality. And so, okay, this is what it would look like if your life lined up with that reality. And so we, get, we come to this place. So, that, so we need to understand What Paul just said. And what Paul just said is probably one of the most amazing passages in Scripture uh, in verse 6. If you want to turn, well, you don't even have to turn, it's right there. Um, It says, Who, that is Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, God's going to respond to that. So it says, therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, so the Father, God looks on the life of Jesus and says, okay... In light of who he is, in light of how he lived, and in light of how he died, in light, I'm, I know what, he deserves a name above all names, and he gets rulership over all. He gets dominion over all. That is how God responded to the life of Jesus. How does Paul suggest that we respond to the life of Jesus? He says, therefore, my beloved, obey. Now that's our favorite, isn't it? I mean, I bet you, you you woke up this morning, God, and your knees said, God, please, will you please send a bunch of people my way to tell me what to do so I can obey, because I just love to obey. I love it. Love it. It's my favorite. No, it's not what we're like at all. There's there's something in us. In fact, we're born in this condition. The, the Bible goes at length to tell us that we are born in this condition of 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 sin and rebellion, that we have um you know david writes that over and over in the psalm surely i was sinful in my mother's womb like surely i was sinful from birth and oh you, you seem to have kids to be convinced of this kids just they they don't i've never had my kids come up to me and say daddy um how can i serve you today what can i do to help you today no this is, they don't do that they they rebel they they hit no one taught them to hit they just do that it's in them to do that we're not we're not we're not we don't are we don't desire to obey so is that what christian life is like you just do the things that you know you, you know you're supposed to like okay god i won't have any fun anymore i'll just i'll just do what i you know i'll just give up on those things will and i'll and i'll just kind of grin and bear it so i can go to heaven is that what it is well no it's not what it is Paul says here that he gives us a new heart, essentially. He says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, which means that you don't need some external thing controlling you to obey, for it is God who works in you both the will and the work to his good pleasure. So he's creating in you this will, this desire regeneration. This is what it's, the theologians call this regeneration, that God gives us a new heart. And because he gives you a new heart, he gives you a new desire. And just so you know, the heart biblically isn't the seed of the emotions, meaning like when the Bible says heart, it doesn't just mean how you feel about things, although it does mean that. It means what you desire. It's, it's deeper. It's a deeper word than that. And this is something God does in you. And this is something that was prophesied long ago. If you read the Bible, the Old Testament, the Old Testament speaks of This new covenant that we now live in. It's projecting something into the future. And check out what it says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. It says, and the Lord your God will circumcise, that is cut off, your heart and the heart of your offspring. Because again, we're born into this rebellion, sinful. Oh, cut that part off. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So here's what he says. I'm gonna, you have something in you. in Deep inside of you is desire to rebel, to disobey, to, to, to be against God. God's going to come in. He's going to cut that part of you off. I remember one time, I'll never forget it. One of the most amazing testimonies i ever heard, I don't know, five or six years ago. Somebody in, you know, in the baptism water says, and they asked him, he said, so why do you want to be baptized? And he says this. He didn't know what he was saying, but he said this. He says, I believe that my unbelieving self died. That God cut off that unbelieving self. That desire to rebel. That desire to go in a different direction. Check out what it says in Ezekiel. It says, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you, I will remove that heart of stone. That cold, dead heart of stone. And I will put within you a live, pumping heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my will, so yeah, you will obey, but I'm actually, I'm not just going to make you obey against your will, I'm actually going to change your will, I'm going to change your heart, I'm giving you a new heart, that's what regeneration is, I can see regeneration work out in my life, I went to, I went to college with the express um, intent to meet people and break commandments, I mean, that was my deal, and so I went to Mizzou, anybody here from Mizzou, any Tiger fans, no? Okay, so you go to Mizzou, all right, um, you go to Mizzou for two reasons, really, you know, you go there to get a journalism, or you go there to a party, and so I was a business major, and so, like, that's, that's the category I was in, and so, um, in my senior year in college, though so God totally interrupted my plans, totally did something unique in me, and gave me these new desires, and all of a sudden, it's like, now, now I want to go to church, if you're asking me, hey, you want to go to church or go get a root canal, I'd say, hey, let's let's do the root canal, and so I just, I didn't want to do it, and now I wanted to pray, now I wanted to read, now I wanted to serve other people, why in the world would I ever do, want to do that? want to give away money, why in the world would I, Why? and I remember even almost having like this out-of-body experience, right, like like I remember people, you know, calling me up and like, you know, there was some, it was on a Friday night, there was a Bible study prayer meeting thingy, and the, and I don't know, and so he, um, they called me, hey, you want to go? And I remember, I remember like hanging up the phone. We used to hang up phones back then. You know, I remember hanging up the phone and thinking like, did I just say I want to go to a prayer meeting? Did I just say that? It felt awkward. Yeah, I, I, I do. And then, you know, you begin to, you begin to understand, and then you begin to like, You know, read his word and begin to see it differently, and you begin to like it. And then someone says something, and you're like, "Well, Matthew five says," and I'm like, "I didn't even know what Matthew five said before." All of a sudden, you're like, "It's in you," and something's changing in you. And and some of you are new to Christianity, and and you're kind of it feels this. It's almost like this out of body experience, this awkwardness. Like you want to do these new things, but then you have this life behind you that that's kind of pulls at you, and there's this tension. And and we'll get in because you you kind of get into these, and we'll get into new mindsets and new actions later on in the series but today just first of all it's just like god's given you this new heart i just want to encourage you to just follow those desires he will lead you into a good place in fact uh psalm 81 says that that if you open your mouth wide he'll fill it with good things you know honey and other sweet stuff he'll put that within you if you just say yes to him if you go with him and just day by day follow him trust him lead him so open, uh, open your life to him. Open your heart to him. He's working in you both the will and to work his good pleasures. You have new desires that allow you to please God. You have new gifts that allow you to serve God. You have the Holy Spirit in you who is God. And the Christian life is just that. It's, it's just the new desires welling up within you to want to obey him. To want to please him. To want to go after the things that he wants to go after. It's not white knuckling it. It's not just kind of. That's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion says that God is some distant deity in the sky. Who's just passively sitting back. Keeping score. That's what religion says. But this God that Paul's talking about. Is initiating with us. He's, wor- He's at work in us. And there's this big debate. In the Christian world, about God's sovereignty and human responsibility and, you know, which one is it. And and in here, Paul says it's a little bit of both. That God initiates and that we respond. Uh, that God initiates and that we respond that He is initiator, he, sa- he saved us, found us, He did all of it, now we do respond, He, he gives us desires, and we work out those desires he 's given us a new nature, now we live according to that new nature. He has given us gifts, now we use those gifts, He has convicts us of sin, and now we repent of sin, and this life in Christ is this constant back and forth of God initiating and us responding, God initiating us responding, God initiating us, responding. And one theologian kind of laid it out like this. It said it's kind of like uh, two pedals of a bicycle, that, that God pedals one side, and then you're meant to pedal another. And, and some of you may have been a Christian for a while, you're like, man, my life, and I just don't, you know, I don't feel it anymore, and my life, and, you know, God doesn't really say anything to me, and my life isn't going anywhere. Well, Maybe he's just, like, waiting for you to pedal. Like, he's worked something in. Are you working that out? He's worked in love. We work out love. He worked in mercy. We work out mercy. Because he's there. So so Revelation 3.21 says, behold, Jesus says this, red letters, says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Which means you get up off the couch and you answer the door. He's initiating. He's initiating, all the time initiating. We must respond. You know, a a relationship, you know, I'm I'm in a, a marriage relationship, a covenant. It's called a covenant. And this relationship we have with God is called a covenant as well and relationships work only they work the best when both sides are participating it doesn't work so well when only one's participating now god just like a marriage you know god's never going to abandon us he's committed to us so if you're in christ man you're he's committed to you he's he's not going to let you go you don't have to worry about that hallelujah however you could have this kind of relationship with him that's just really kind of like you know it just doesn't you just doesn't you don't feel very excited about it and you're wondering where god is he's waiting he's waiting for you to respond he's initiated he's initiator he's worked in now you work out that's what it says it Says just it to work out your salvation he's worked in the will he's worked in the way so he's worked in the will he's changed your heart he's given you a new heart He's worked that in. He's, given, he's worked in the way, which means he's given you gifts. He's given you desire. He's given you the way. Now you work that out. You work that out. What's, what's standing in the way of you and I working out? Well, he says a couple of things. One is a casual view of God. Because he says to what God has worked in you, you work out with fear and trembling. You work out with fear and trembling. Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of w- wisdom. The genesis of wisdom is a fear and reverence of God. Behi- if you don't get to the place where you fear and reverence the Lord, there, there, you don't even get into the ballpark of wisdom. Everything that is wise, everything that lives with perspective of ultimate reality, true reality, has this perspective. I fear the Lord. Everything else is utter fool, foolishness. The fear of the Lord is beginning. It was, now, this doesn't mean being anxious in your relationship with God. Does it doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It doesn't mean anxiousness. But it means this reverent fear. Last week I went to um, I, I went skiing on a mountain for the very first time out in Wyoming. And there was a lot of fear and trembling, let me tell you. And so we um, and it's, I went to the, the Grand Teton Mountains uh, in Jackson, north of Jackson Hole. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they're known for uh, the, their gray. They're known for how steep they are because they're very beautiful mountains because they just, you know, sometimes, like the Rocky Mountains and other places, like they, they kind of build up, build up, build up over a long period of time. And these mountains just kind of like shoot out of the ground. But what makes them beautiful also makes them dangerous. And um, you don't, if you, if you go up there on the top of this mountain, you know, double black diamond, something like that. And you stand up and you're like, oh, I got this. It will get you. All right. So it will, there is no, like, I'm bigger than this. I mean, I, you know, I'm flying, I'm going out there. I'm thinking, you know, imagine, I've seen, I watch TV. I I know how skiing works. And uh, I imagine myself just skiing around and, like, you know, jumping up in the air and just, and I get up on top of this mountain, I'm like, oh, dear God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Please take me back in the cart. And I, 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 I'd skied a couple um, slopes, and I'd went up to this top, and this guy was watching me ski. And he says, you don't look like you're in the right place. And I said, no, no, I'm not. And uh, he's like, because this, 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 it looks a lot steeper when you get up there. I mean, it just looks Super steep. And so he kindly got me to where I belong. I think the slope of that where I ended up was called Pooh Bear, at which I where I belong. <laughs> and um, that's the one I skied, Pooh Bear. And, um, but if you go, man, if you go there with this casual attitude, like it will, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll come back in crutches. In fact, that's one of the, the, one of the when I was leaving the airport, the, the, the lady, the TSA lady asked me, she's like, hey, you know, what were you, you know, you going home? Yeah, I'm going home. So where were you in Jackson for? I was like, oh, I was learning how to ski. She's like, that, that's not the mountain to learn how to ski on. Because <laughs> I see a lot of people coming through here in crutches and wheelchairs. I'm like, I'm glad she didn't say that before I went because I, would <laughs> I never would have gone. Um, but look, here's the thing. You can't, anybody who mocks, you know, something as majestic as a very dangerous mountain or mocks the ocean or mocks a tornado or mocks the... Uh, you know, something like, something Grand, the Grand Canyon, uh, ends up looking like a fool. And this is what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And just to be quite frank, um, I'm worried about some of you. I'm worried about the casual attitude that you have toward God. You know, treating God like, you know, he's got the IQ of a little child and he can be, you know, taken advantage of without him really understanding what's going on. You know, he's just kind of over there in the chair sleeping and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll playing him to be a fool. He's not the fool. His heart, he, he's very aware of what you're doing and it, and it absolutely breaks his heart. And he's not going to, in revenge, get you back because if you're in Christ he took all of his vengeance and laid it upon jesus there is no more for you jesus drank the cup of god's wrath fully but it is it, it it's this unnecessary distance between you and him you will reap what you sow and we need to have, if, if you're kind of in this life, if you're in this place where you're not really feeling it, one of the things that could be blocking it is a casual view of God. We need to be those, not who have high self-esteem, nor low self-esteem. but the, What the Bible talks about is having this Christ-esteem that you get so caught up in the wonder and beauty of Christ that you forget about yourself and all you do is you do what Jesus did and you, humble, you, you bow your knee, you humble yourself before Him and with great reverence and fear you begin to work out your salvation, you begin to work out in your life the things that God has worked in. There needs to be an awe in us. So, so a casual attitude can get in the way of what God wants to do in you but so can a bad attitude let check out what this Paul says. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. What is gr- Some of you are like, what's grumbling? Well, that's you. And so, um, you know, it's nitpicking, it's fussing, it's, um, you know, Paul's not saying, hey, look, we just all need to kind of walk around with, you know, happy faces on, and that's what this is about. You know, it's okay to be okay. It's okay to be honest. Um, but you can be honest without grumbling. Uh, it says disputing or complaining. Complaining is like, God, you have no right to do this. You know, God, where are you? You know, I, you know, I, I thought you were good. Why am I not happier? Why am I not healthier? Why am I not married? Why am I not this? Why am I not that? Why is this person succeeding and I'm not succeeding? It says do everything without complaining or questioning. Now, to ask questions is, is great. To ask, you know, go, you know, ask to get understanding. But there's a difference between asking questions and questioning. I mean, it, having this disposition of just questioning everything that comes. It's not a good place to be. It makes you feel like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one in charge. I know what's what. I sit on top of things. If you're going to get something by me, you've got to, you've got to get it. You've got to, you got to make sure I'm okay with it. I question everything. Not with God, you don't. Not if you want, if you want, if you want him to work. So yeah, a, a casual attitude, but also a bad attitude. Questioning is like interrogating. If you're a parent, you know this because you've got kids. I mean, kids are like miniature lawyers. They like just interrogate, you know, you know why does Susie get to do this? Why does Bobby get to do this? You know, why about this? What about Iraq? It's like, you're four years old. It's like, <laughs> man, drink your jukebox and like leave me alone. And so, you know what? Kids are like that. Adults are like that too. Maybe you're like that. You just have this questioning. That, like you can't receive something until you've interrogated it enough to feel good about it. It's not a good place to be. It's a very bad place to be. Here's the good news. You can change from that today. You don't have to let this cause you to be miserable anymore. And it is causing you to be miserable. It's certainly causing the people around you to be miserable. But it's causing you to be miserable too. You can change that today. Today. That's so what God wants to make you new. He wants to put a new heart in you. If, if you're a Christian here this morning, you have a new heart, but you, you stray, you, you get away, you get away from truth, you get away from reality. This is why we need, this, we need crisis in our life. We need these moments where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be open. I'm going I'm to pull back the, the exterior. I'm going to let God shine his light on my heart. I'm going to see it for what it is. And inside of me, maybe there's in your heart today a questioning spirit. You can turn from that today. Here's what's at stake. Paul continues that you may be um, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemits in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I love this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So here's what's supposed to happen. What's at stake is your purpose for existence. If you are a Christian here today, one of your primary identities is as a witness, or a missionary, or whatever you want to call it. It is to represent, to be an ambassador of the one that you follow, that is Jesus. And you're meant to pop out like lights among a Christian generation. So while everybody else is like, you know, you know me first attitudes, and my rights, and my this, and my that, you're not, you're, you're not questioning, you're not complaining you're, you're holding your attitude in humility. And if you do that in the midst of a group of people who aren't doing that, you're going to pop out as a light. And people are going to be like, what's up with you? Oh, you want to know about that? That's Jesus in me, working in me the will and the way to do his good pleasure. That's what Peter's talking about. You know, Be prepared to have a defense. Have a defense for what? Have a defense for why you live the way you live. Because you're different. Because you pop out. But if you don't Bring this on board. If you don't allow, if you don't work out what God's working in, then you won't do this. You'll lose the purpose for why you exist. Everyone else is trying to climb the ladder. Jesus was the one who descended. So you walk in humility that way. People are like, "What's up with you?" Our our, our purpose is at stake. Well, how do we get there? What well, says in verse sixteen? It says, by holding fast to the word of life, holding on to, gripping the word of life, that we need, to, we need to hear the word of God on a regular basis. We, we need to hear the, God on, on, we hear the word of God on a regular basis. Um, any relationship, uh, communication is vital. Absolutely vital. In fact, any relationship where there's not constant communication, you begin to question their love for you. You begin to question their concern for you. You begin to think that you know there's distance that happens because there's not that kind of communication. Well, how can you feel it all the time? Well, If you read this thing, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear just awesome awesome stuff over and over and over again. This isn't just some, I, I mean I know it's difficult. You know it's black. It's got the word holy on it. I mean it's just like intimidating, and so you know you just it's it's challenging but if you really sit with it and you really wrestle with it some great things can happen because what does it say it says it says hold on to the word of what the book of what excuse me word of life hold on to the word of life this is this is life this isn't just some this isn't just some old writing on some old pages that doesn't really mean anything these are words of life john 6 Jesus feeds the 5,000, 5,000 men plus women and children, 20,000 people. And then he, he begins to speak truth to them. And they all leave. Not one of them sticks around to receive it. He looks at his 12, he says, hey, do you guys want to leave too? Peter stands up, he says, where else will we go? Only you have the words of life. You see, when you come to this, this, this Bible, you begin to understand that this is a grand story about the battle for your heart. It started, um, it started with the battle for the heart of a woman named Eve. And the serpent comes to Eve, the opposing that opposed the word of life. said, so, you know, you really think God can be trusted? You really think God loves you? Because here's what I think, Eve. I think he's holding something behind his back that he doesn't want you to see. And he doesn't want you to have. And you would be better if you had it. So Eve begins to not trust God. Eve begins to believe the servant and she doubted. And that battle with her was lost. But then the Bible is not, God is not content with that human condition. And the the climax of this story in here is when Jesus steps on the scene. And he says, do you want to know if I can really be trusted? Then look at my body nailed to this tree. Do you want to know how far I would go to communicate how much I love you? Then look at this bloody mess called the cross. And on the cross, Jesus once and for all answered the question, can I be trusted? Can I can you believe me? Do I really love you? And it was yes, he can be trusted. Yes, he does love you. Yes, he does. Have your best in mind. This is what we hold on to. This is what we cling to, to keep our hearts in a place where we feel it. And listen, listen. If you're not there this morning, if you're not there this morning, maybe it's because you've never been there Maybe, maybe it's just like you go, you go to church because you're trying to work off a of debt or you're trying to, you know, you're trying to um, uh, behave your way into feeling good about yourself. Let me tell you something. People come to me all the time and say, Brian, man, I'm trying. I'm trying to do what God tells me to do. I say, here's your problem. Your problem is you're trying. You need to qu- stop trying. See, Paul said to the Ephesians, he says that you were, you were once dead in your sins, but Christ made you alive. The, the, the problem with, um, the problem when you, before you come to, the, your problem when you're dead in your sins isn't that you need to be better, that you need to stop sinning, is, you, is that you need to stop being dead. You need somebody to make you alive. You need someone to change your heart. You see, here's a, and this is great news because you're looking over the fence, peeking over at Christianity, and you're seeing all these things happen. You're like, I don't want to do those things. Well, here's the good news. God wants to change your heart and He wants to bring you over into a, de- a desire to want what 's ultimately best for you who wants good things, good desires, and this will bring you life so maybe you're here and you need this new life or maybe you you've received this new heart, but you strayed. God wants to renew your heart today you need to have a crisis today. you need to let today be a crisis for you you're not going to work your way you're not going to work your way into a better relationship with Jesus. It says in Colossians 2, two six or two seven. It says, "As you receive the Lord, so walk in Him." You didn't receive the Lord by doing anything. You received the Lord by receiving Him. Receive this renewed heart. Come to Him and say, "God, I want, I, I want to feel affection toward You. I want You to work in me the will, and He absolutely will."